0: Hello. Hi, Anna. We are live. (laughs) I'm here with Anna Segal. She's a professional skier with accolades as a two time world champion, an X Games gold medalist, film producer alongside her sister, and now an active backcountry skiing pro with parts in the award winning films under the Blank Film Productions. She's a dear friend of mine, a brilliant mind with an even bigger smile, as well as a contributing coach to the Salty Club's Move and Breathe with a Pro, and a recreational surfer. And it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Taylor. It's exciting.
0: For the listeners that aren't entrenched in the mountain world, could you give us a little rundown on your career, how you started skiing and how your skiing has transitioned to where it is now?
1: Sure. Um, I feel like I've kind of dipped my toes in all aspects of skiing. I started as a racer when I was about seven and did that till I was 14. I was okay, but not great, but I really loved it. Um, but I loved going off jumps and getting air. So when I was 14, I started mogul skiing, um, which is like the bumps and the jumps. Uh, you might have seen it in the Olympics. Um, and it could because that let me, you know, get into the air and start learning tricks. And I kind of went full force into that and made the Australian development team when I was 16, I think, and started travelling internationally and competing in Europa Cups, which is the one level below World Cup. And I did that for three years and thought that that's what I was going to do and I wanted to go ahead and try and make the Olympic team but after my first big knee injury um, I sort of reconsidered and decided that I wanted to give slopestyle and freestyle or free skiing a try. Uh, I had some really great role models that I looked up to over in North America including um, Sarah Burke and Christy Leskinen and Marie Martineau who's actually French and I'd watched them in all the movies and I wanted to do what they did so I quit mogul skiing. Uh, I left my team and I ventured over to the US by myself to give that a shot. And it went well for me. So I started competing. I started doing long contests. I eventually got invited to X Games and won on my first year in X Games. And then, yeah, that kind of launched my real professional skiing career where I could pay the bills from skiing. And um, I did that for... 10 years I think uh competed in the Sochi 2014 Olympics and then after that decided I wanted to give backcountry skiing a try so that's where I am now still trying (laughs) learning every day and um, enjoying almost every minute of it.
0: And what's the difference for um in lifestyle for people that maybe don't do or aren't familiar with um competing versus like a backcountry Um, lifestyle
1: I think the contest scene um, is a lot more organized you kind of know before the season starts you know what contests you're going to be in you know the sort of schedule and the timeline that you need to prepare you know when you're going to have downtime when you're going to have to be on it Um, and I, I think that's almost mentally a little bit easier with backcountry skiing and filming and shooting photos it all depends on the weather And you don't know if you're going to be going hard for six weeks straight with no days off. I mean, that's kind of impossible. You know, um, if the snow is really good for six weeks straight, you just have to make the most of it. You don't know if you're going to have two months of downtime because there's no snow. Um, It's a little bit more variable and a bit up in the air and you just have to be really um, adaptable as to like, the skiing conditions and the weather um, you often don't plan trips until a week before you just have to be ready to like get everything together, make sure your body and mind are intact and just go for it when the conditions are right. So I think that would be the biggest difference, you know, at the start of the season when people would be like, Oh, what's your plan for the winter? When yeah. I was a contest skier, I'd be like, be able to say, Oh, first I got two it Then I got X games and then I got got European open. Um, but with film skiing and backcountry skiing, you're just kind of like, I don't know. It <laughs> depends <laughs> where the snow's at. So that's really fun. It, me- it means that things are always changing and um, you never get, it's less likely that you get stuck in a rut, um, less likely to get bored, uh, but it's also quite challenging.
0: I feel like it's been one of the biggest lessons personally for me is like um, the idea of non attachment. You kind of get excited about all these trips, but then you realize like, okay, now we have to wait and see what the weather's doing. And all those trips might be pushed back like a year or two years or but then like you said it's ever changing so like maybe a new opportunity pops up because the conditions are like super stable and great somewhere else you're like
1: makes it fun yeah the idea of not getting attached to trips or to to what you're going to do you know like one season you might be like i'm going to get really good at pillow season skiing or snowboarding but that season there happened to be no good pillows and so (laughs) you get good at something else and you just have to be like really open to opportunity and and go with the flow which for me has been really hard because I'm quite a structured person um some people like to refer to me as slightly a type um so but I think it's been really good for me personally to, to try and be more flexible and um and stay positive no matter what happens
0: and not only are you a professional athlete, but you also um, hold a few other forms of income, like many athletes, outside of your skiing. How do you balance that out with the big days?
1: Uh, yeah, that's also been something that I've been trying to get better at. Is I have a uh, side job, part-time job, doing marketing for a couple different companies, and I really love it. Uh, I I do more marketing hours in the summer and in the fall and it's, it's a good way to make extra income and also keep my brain active and structure my days. But when the ski season starts, um, I have found it really hard to balance. And this has actually come up for me in the last few weeks, how to balance, you know, friendships and spending time with friends and partners and pets <laughs> Um, and skiing and, and looking after your body. And uh, I've I've actually recently just called my boss and was completely honest to him and just said, I'm really struggling, what can I do about it? And for me, it's delegating to other people, other people on our team at, at the business. So um, I'm hoping that works, uh, taking a step back and being organized and, and just asking other people to help. Um, because I only get paid for the hours that I work. So if I'm not working, I'm not I'm not getting paid and that's okay. And it means someone else is getting paid. So that's good. Um, so that's sort of what I'm trying to work on at the moment is sort of asking other people for help and, and also giving other people some of my work.
0: Oh, it's such a life skill, always finding the balance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's probably something that people have to work on throughout their professional careers and
0: Totally. Um, yeah. And like, like, it's always changing and taking on new projects or finding the rhythm with one. And
1: yeah, I also, like, I'll go ahead.
0: Oh, no, it's just, it sounds like you're, you're figuring it out though.
1: Yeah. I mean, another thing I do is write lists. <laughs> um, like before I go to bed, I have my little daily planner next to me. So when things are like running around in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I start getting stressed. I just pick up my daily planner and like dot point what I have to do. And I kind of break it up over the next few days. So that that seems to help me quite a lot, um, just knowing that it's like down on paper and I'll, I'll do it tomorrow and I'm not going to forget.
0: Same. As soon as it comes up, just put it down so your brain doesn't have to hold on to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and to paint a picture for our guests, what does a day of filming look like? Just to like give an example of why it might be so challenging to be balancing out all these things.
1: Yeah, um, well, I can go through my day yesterday because that was a pretty typical day of filming at home out of Pemberton. Uh, So I woke up at 5.15. I did five minutes of meditation because that's all I had time for. Uh, Made a coffee and took my dog for a 10-minute walk, just for a little relief. Um, I grabbed my my pre-prepared lunch and breakfast out of the fridge um, chucked everything in my truck, which has my snowmobile on it, my skis, double-checked I had my ski-touring skins, like all the things I needed um, for the day, made another coffee, um, grabbed my breakfast to go, jumped in the truck and headed towards Whistler, um, a bit south of Whistler. So it was about an hour drive yesterday. The snow conditions were really bad. Sorry, not, the road conditions were really bad. Um, Got to the parking lot at 7.20, had 10 minutes to eat my breakfast and finish my coffee, um, met the rest of the crew, unloaded the sled, packed everything on it and headed out up the mountain on the snowmobile. And from there we kind of (laughs) – we had expectations of what we thought the snow was going to be like. um, And on the way up to our destination we sort of checked the snow and found that it was a little bit funky and not what we expected. Um, and the best words I can use to describe yesterday was we dicked around a lot <laughs> um, we We headed to to this big old growth forest where we wanted to get some shots. Um, we thought some beautiful fresh snow and powder would be there, but the the snow had actually warmed up a lot, and the trees had shed a lot of snow, so it was what we called tree bombed, where the snow from the trees kind of wrecks the snow underneath. so we replanned, we found another plan and we headed up to a, a higher area we kind of messed around a lot we got our our snowmobiles stuck because the snow was really deep and sticky um spent a lot of en- energy digging our sleds out
0: <laughs> and just uh just to share with the listeners um these machines are like 500 pounds and when you get stuck they like cement in so you got to like dig around when you get stuck and you got to like woman handle them over flip them yeah. um it's very physically demanding so yeah. kudos <laughs> yeah.
1: lots of sweating laughing swearing um <laughs> we finally went we found that there wasn't anything we really wanted to do up higher so we went back down again into the forest and we found one little sort of line that we we got the camera out for and i did like a little um Did a little pillow line, which is when you have like big mounds of puffy snow lined up into pillows. I did did that. My friend hit a little air and tomahawked forward and got stuck upside down in the snow, which was a bit scary because the snow was sticky. So we dug her out and decided that was enough for the day. We weren't going to get any shots. It was about 2 p.m. at that point and we headed back down to the car park. (laughs) (laughs) and got back to our trucks at about three um so that was a typical unproductive day but often they go better than that um but it's just like we were saying it's um not holding on to expectations you know we all thought the snow was going to be really light and fluffy and we'd have these beautiful shots through the trees and there was a temperature spike overnight and that's just the weather so we laughed about it we headed home and you know when no one's hurt and you can laugh, that's that's a good day in the
0: mountains. Totally. The goal is always to make it home safe, no matter what. So,
1: yeah. and I got uh, home to my cute little dog, took him oh. for a little walk and all was good.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned um, looking for features in the old growth forest. Um, so you're so connected to nature. How has a life spent connected to a sport that's so entrenched in the mountains shaped your perspective and, and um, how you show up in your day to day?
1: Yeah, I think um being so dependent on Mother Nature and the weather um makes you more attuned to it. I mean not only checking the weather every single day and watching for patterns, but um on a bigger picture, you're sort of watching the seasons and, and how and when winter hits and when winter ends and the temperatures throughout the winter and um when we have big temperature changes in the mountains, that's um, that will often cause high avalanche risk um, because the the snow layers don't bond together well. And so these big temperature fluctuations, which it seems like we're having more, affects the risks that we're we're taking. And so that's scary. And I think um, even though I haven't, I can't say that I've lived in this part of the world for so long. I've only lived here for seven years. Um, talking to a lot of people that have lived here longer, it's just with these huge temperature fluctuations and um, extreme weather events, it's it's making it scarier to be in the mountains. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it's a part of global warming and, and climate change. And the issue with that is we're not allowed. We can't... It's holding us back from playing in the mountains as we would like and... That's the least of our problems, I think, but it's, um, it's something that, like, hits home. And so I think it makes a lot of people that play in the outdoors um, more concerned with climate change and, um, and want to, you know, actively try and combat it a little bit more. So I think if I'd grown up, if I'd taken another path in life and lived in the city and, and worked um, a nine to five job in an office, I'd be less aware and maybe less caring so um, I feel lucky to have an awareness and, and to, to have an appreciation of, um, of the weather and the climate and hopefully more people can connect with nature and maybe do the same.
0: Totally. We're so lucky to be so connected to nature and to be out there and really experiencing the beauty, but then also comes with seeing like all the impact that we're having from the decisions mm-hmm. we're making. So
1: true. And I think, like along with that, it does bring a bit of guilt as well. You know, we're talking about riding around on snowmobiles and and driving trucks, and and sometimes, you know, I live in Canada, but my family's in Australia, so I I might fly back to Australia once a year. And I think I think all of that brings guilt because you see the climate changing, but you're you're still living living this like fossil fuel life. Um, so that's always a bit of a struggle, but um yeah I I think a lot of people are going through that at the moment it's not just athletes so trying to do our best and um and change things that we can is is important but you know the guilt's always up there in my brain to be honest
0: it would be interesting to speak to a psychologist or counselor and find out how often that's coming up because it, it really is prevalent in our current times of we are all contributing to this and um Yeah, I guess in a sense, we're all hypocrites and, but we also can't be taken down by that. And we still need to, um, I mean, snowmobiles, there's incredible technology coming out with potential electric sleds and all these other options. So it's really nice to see that happening. But, um, yeah, I guess, um, for everyone listening, I feel like anyone who's connected to nature, we can all say that we do feel that guilt too, but, um, Mm -hmm the importance is to band together and we can all do what we can and strive for improvement versus perfection.
1: Yeah. And like, and, and knowing who you're voting for and, and, you know, and and being connected politically because, you know, I think the biggest change will happen higher up, but you know, there's still, we can still inspire and motivate people around us by like taking our own actions to, to try and combat it. So
0: yeah. 100%. (laughs)
1: one of those things that you got to self-work, you know, and <laughs> trying your best.
0: Yeah. And for um anyone listening and interested in getting into skiing, do you have any advice on picking up a new sport?
1: Oh yes. I've, I've started a few new sports in my adult life. Um, I, I started surfing when I was about 19. I started rock climbing when I was 28 and I started s- snowmobiling just Two, three years ago. So <laughs> I know what it like. It feels like to be again a beginner and it's really humbling and I'm, I'm almost like it's really nice to, to be back in that position actually because you can have more empathy of what other people are going through. But um, okay, so for skiing, I would say choosing the right gear when you're starting is really important. Um, boots are the most important piece of equipment. If you're going to ball out on anything, ball out in boots you can buy secondhand ski secondhand binding secondhand clothing but you want to make sure you get a really good boot fit for your level and your, your feet because when you're in pain you're not going to be having fun and you're going to be less likely to be out there um, and the boots is where like all the control comes from so if there's one piece of equipment that you go for it's ski boots um potentially different for snowboarding but this is for skiing um i'd say like one or two lessons are probably good but then um, just getting out on snow as much as you can, I think is the really important thing. So um, time on snow equals comfort and just taking baby steps and like pushing yourself a little bit, but not too much. And um, yeah, that's what I found with like surfing and rock climbing and also snowmobiling, just like the more time you can get out there and do it, um, the more that like the skills you learn solidify and then you can like get on to the next step. So yeah that would be my best advice i
0: think and what about advice for mindset um because it can be so disheartening learning something new and also being surrounded maybe by people that are really good at something like personally like mm-hmm. i had a really hard time with that with surfing <laughs> like just being yeah. so awful at the beginning um yeah. do you have any um mindset advice for for people getting into any new sport
1: yeah and like I can definitely relate to that with with surfing as well and sometimes I still even still feel like that you know like when everyone else is getting waves because they're better than you and you literally haven't caught one and you're just like so bummed and so aggravated and and I the thing that I try and do is um remind myself why I'm there and I'm, I'm why I'm outside surfing or why I'm outside skiing or rock climbing and it's For me, it's usually one, to be in a beautiful environment with friends. So whether you're catching waves or not, or whether you're falling down on the ski hill or not, you're still outside nature and probably with friends. Um, And also to get exercise. And so when I'm surfing or I'm skiing or when I'm rock climbing, like whether I'm making my goal or not, I'm still getting exercise. I'm still trying, you know, when you're surfing, you're just like duck diving, duck diving, duck diving. It's like, okay, okay. I'm getting stronger and I'm with my friends and I'm outside in a beautiful environment. So that's what I try and remind myself when I'm, I'm doing, I'm learning new things, like um, relating that to snowmobiling, like I'm getting stuck and getting stuck. Um, oh, I have to like dig myself out. I'm like, I look around, I realize where I am in this beautiful mountain environment, I'm getting exercise and my friends are there to help me. So, you know, that's, that's why I'm there and that's what I'm doing. And if you're getting waves or, getting a nice power slash that's just icing on the cake
0: absolutely and when the purpose is aligned then everything seems to fall back into place and we don't get lost in our head and get to take away the power from the ego and yeah I think that's such a great piece of advice
1: yeah I constantly have to remind myself but that's kind of what I think about when I start feeling frustrated
0: same uh is there any any final things you'd like to say to our listeners? Um, oof. In terms of um, maybe women uh, lifting each other up and how important that is.
1: Yeah, I would say like whether you're surfing or skiing or snowboarding or rock climbing or sledding, I think having um, other women around you that are positive and also into the sport, activity as much as you are is really important um i know that i found a really great group of girls in pemberton and whistler recently including you taylor that um you know just are a positive influence on my life and and are going through similar things with the sport and all the activity that i am and um yeah i think finding women that are as motivated and as driven as you is, is really important and, like, find your crew and it, it might... It, I've been living in this area for seven years and it's only happened over the last couple of years that I've really found that. So keep looking. <laughs> and and they're there, you know, like, they're probably listening to this podcast or they're probably on the Salty Club. And do you know what would be cool if the Salty Club had, like, some kind of forum that people could find each other on, you know? Um, I don't know how that would work, but like maybe on the website, like a location form where people could find each other to surf or to ski or to snowboard, but.
0: Oh, it's such um, a great idea. Like a adventure partner, Tinder, but not for dating.
1: (laughs) Almost like a map where like people, people that are subscribing are living could be cool. I don't know. I don't know (laughs) how you do that. I'm not techie enough, but (laughs) someone noticed. Um, but yeah, look for your, look for your women. They're there and, um, enjoy every moment with them.
0: Well, and it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm personally so grateful for our friendship. I feel the same. It's, um, it can be hard finding a, a women crew in such like a male dominant space. Mm-hmm. And um, same for me, it's taken like oof, maybe like over 10 years to find that. So um, I, I want to share the same piece of inspiration. Keep looking for your crew and lift each other up. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk
1: to us thanks taylor um, i'm looking forward to a nice dog walk today
0: yeah i'll see you soon
1: see you soon bye
0: Thank bye, you. bye.